You are listening to the Good Advice Softball Podcast. I'm Dan Blewett, and on this show, you'll learn how to help the softball player in your life sharpen her skills, improve her mindset, and find new confidence through softball. Welcome back to the Good Advice Softball Podcast. I'm Dan Blewett, and on this episode, we're going to talk about two main things. Number one, Will your daughter get crossed off a list if she has a bad attitude? So if college recruiters come to find out that she maybe has a hot temper or gets really down herself as a bad teammate, any of those things, will that actually get her crossed off a college recruiter's list? And secondly, what is the role of using different size balls for practice? So little wiffle balls, uh, baseballs, tennis balls, softballs, uh, heavy balls, all those different ones, they can be used for hitting, for uh, for throwing, for fielding, all that different stuff. I think they're used more often in baseball than softball, but I want to talk through a little bit of the, some of the pros and cons in today's episode. All right, so first thing, will your daughter get crossed off a list if she's got a bad attitude? So the answer is uh, probably, possibly. So college recruiters do a pretty good job of uh, digging and they do a pretty good job of figuring out who players are, what their strengths and weaknesses are, uh, what their work ethic is like. Are they a good teammate? Are they respectful to coaches? All that sort of stuff. And now there's always exceptions to this. I mean, I'll be perfectly honest. We've had, uh, I can think of one right now, a baseball player who is kind of crappy. I mean, like his attitude was kind of crappy. Um, he was not a great teammate. He still found, found a place to play in college. Now he was the kind of kid that I hoped a college crew didn't call me cause I'm never, I'll sugarcoat things as best I can. I'll put them in as best light as best I can. And, but I won't lie. Right. So for him, I was hoping no one would call because I didn't want to have to lie. And again, I wouldn't. So I didn't want to be placed in a position where I was, I don't know, you know, negatively impacting his future. But at the same time, for me to ship other kids out to other schools, I have to be honest with recruiters because they will figure it out. If I lie for a a player, you know, they're going to call four of their coaches anyway. So they're going to figure out, oh, Dan wasn't really truthful with us because we get four four similar opinions from these other coaches and Dan's opinion was very, very different. And then, you know, they find out over time anyway. So, um, you know, now... That being said, there's still probably a place for everyone because at some smaller schools where they are, are, you know, begging for talent and don't as much have the luxury of picking and choosing where they've got all these premium athletes and they're going to take the ones that have the best, you know, ability, but also the best character, also the best academics. You know, obviously, as the ladder goes down, um, schools have to be less choosy. So, they might give a kid who has maybe a, a not stellar reputation a chance. You say, hey, like maybe maybe he or she grows up and uh, we end up getting a bargain or maybe we don't. And she ends up being the same, you know, troublemaker that we heard that she was. So, you know, if, if a player is not getting any looks at all, um, you know, it's not to say that it's going to it's probably not because of just her attitude. Again, there's going to be a continuum. So. You know, you've got to be if you if it's a slim chance of playing at a certain school, like your dream school, is uh, you know everything's got all the stars have to align. You've got to be great academically, great character references, obviously outstanding on the field. You know, if all those don't align, then you're probably not going to get your chance at the 
the picky school that is maybe your dream. Uh, but again, as the as the funnel and the the level of uh, talent at a school diminishes, you know, you get to lower levels. Again, they don't have the luxury of being quite as choosy. So the answer to this question is yes, you can certainly and players absolutely do get crossed off recruiters lists by, you know, bad on the field performance, but also by bad body language, being a bad teammate, not handling adversity well, not handling, you know, poor performance well, making errors in the field, being a hothead, mouthing off to coaches. Those are things that that do not fly well and coaches will you just be like, you know, they'll scratch you off the list right there. But again, not every school will. So it just depends. They really need an outfielder, they really need a shortstop and, you know, times it's getting down to the wire or whatever. They might give a kid a chance to grow up and hopefully improve their character and all that stuff over time. But again, I think a lot of coaches know that, you know, players don't change their personality overnight and they don't magically change either. So they're pretty wary about being stuck with someone who's going to make them as coaches miserable for three or four years. Because as a coach, you want to have your program run the way you want it and you want it to operate smoothly and you want to have fun at your job. And a couple players that make you miserable can spoil the whole experience doesn't take more than a couple bad apples to do that so they are wary so for you parents out there you do need to you know i don't know that it's going to help you nagging your kids if you're like hey you know you keep kicking dirt after you make an error it's going to get you i think they're going to learn the hard way the problem is that they won't know when they're crossed off a list a scout will come and silently watch and silently cross her off the list and you'll never know you're ever in the, in the running for them. And that's the unfortunate part. And the same thing happens with parent behavior, which I've talked about in the past. You know, parents in the bleachers, if you're that psycho dad or that psycho mom or that psycho grandparent in the bleachers, scouts will try to figure out whose parent or grandparent you are. And they'll say, oh, that's that's the dad of number 12. You know, eh, I'm probably going to not go with number 12 if, if he's going to be a part of the package deal here. So be wary of that. And uh, again, like college recruiting, they have more choices than ever. There's players sending them videos from all over the country. So they do have the luxury of being more choosy, even at lower levels. And so they will select for character as much as they possibly can. Again, I've seen examples where they don't. Like I said, I had a player who was um, pretty obviously not a great body language kid, just in general, like not someone that I would hi- I would highly recommend to his school. He just like didn't have a very good attitude, to be quite frank about it. He still found a place to play in college. Did he drop out a year a year later? He sure did, because he didn't handle adversity very well. And uh, you know, college sports are hard, so that wasn't surprising either that he didn't last very long in college athletics. But again, it's a highly uh, individual thing. But you should be very aware, and you know, pass this podcast along. To your daughter, she needs a different voice, and that's part of it too. When they hear different voices nagging them or urging them on, other than mom and dad, that helps a lot. So, fair warning for everyone: you can certainly get crossed off a college recruiter's list with bad behavior, character references, etc. All right, topic number two today. I think softball tends to use only softballs a lot more than they should. And I'm not exactly sure why. And I could be wrong about this trend, but from everything I've seen, I don't see softball players practicing with baseballs, with tennis balls, uh, with like the little tiny wiffle golf balls, 
or any of those practice tools, I don't see them practice with them quite as much as in baseball. And I compare the two sports a lot. And I think it's it's interesting just seeing the differences because softball does th- some things well compared to baseball. Baseball does some things better compared to softball. They're essentially identical sports, just down to like little details. Obviously, the way the pitchers pitch, size of the field, stuff like that. But all the core skills are very, very similar. So when you're talking about development, number one, especially with younger players, you know, young girls have small hands. And this is one of the chief reasons I think girls struggle to have good throwing mechanics is because they're held back by having a small hand relative to the ball size when they're young. Even though they use the smaller balls early, they graduate to the full-size softball pretty pretty fast. And those tiny hands mixed with a pretty large ball doesn't add well, doesn't bode well for good throwing mechanics. Now, well beyond throwing mechanics, smaller balls, they are great for hand-eye coordination and hitting. You know, one of the things the a lot of the Latin American kids do developing is they'll hit you know, little tiny bottle caps with a broomstick. They'll hit sunflower seeds with a, with a broomstick. They'll hit uh, little black beans with a broomstick. And these are all really great tools that you can take out of, you know, the, the back alley, you know, playing backyard baseball. And you can apply them to baseball. You can apply them to softball just as equally. So, and again, I don't think that's something I see that much in softball. I'm not sure I've heard of many softball teams taking a, you know, a bag of kidney beans out to practice and, and bring a broomstick and having a station where they're working on really fine hand-eye coordination, stuff like that. But there's definitely something to that where if you're trying to build the ability to square up the ball, why are we limiting ourselves to this huge yellow softball? You know, get a ball that's a little more challenging in color, that blends in a little more, that's not so high visibility. Make their, you know, challenge their eyes a little bit. Go from different distances, use baseballs, use tennis balls, use Uh, anything smaller is going to be tougher to square up obviously and thus have a performance enhancement effect on hand-eye coordination and the ability to center to find the center of the ball when you're hitting obviously the same goes when you're fielding so i love fielding drills done on a tennis court with a tennis ball with no glove those are awesome you can use the rebounder you can bounce them to each other and get really good hops Uh, it's a great way to work on in-between hops and short hops and long hops all that stuff those are very, very underrated little easy practices that are kind of fun. Same thing goes there. You can use smaller balls. You can use paddles, um, all those other training tools. But again, I would just urge any softball coach that's listening to think outside the box as far as the training aid that you're using and don't limit yourself just to softball and just think of the ball size as just it needs to be uniform, obviously, in the game because that's how the you know the rules dictate. But outside of that, you know, why not hit? Uh, baseballs as ground balls. They're going to be smaller. It's going to be tougher to field them. Why not uh, use tennis balls for fielding drills? Why not hit the mini golf balls that have little holes in little mini golf wiffle balls? You know, why not hit a bag of kidney beans every practice into the outfield with a broomstick? You know, any of those things, any of those variations are going to be fun. They're going to mix things up. Um, You know, and again, they're going to challenge hand-eye coordination and all that stuff. So just think about what you can do outside the box to improve your practices, to improve hand-eye coordination, to make things fun, to mix things up. Those are all good things you can do to improve the quality and fun of your practice. Well, that's all the good advice I've got for today. If you enjoy the show and would like to support me while also helping yourself, enroll today in one of my online softball courses. 
my She's Got a Cannon throwing courses come with pricing plans for any budget, and my Resolute Athlete Mental Skills course will help your daughter or team build the mindset of a champion. Enroll in any of my courses through the links in the show notes and save 20% with code GOODADVICE just for being a listener. Be sure to subscribe to my weekly email list where you'll get updates on all my new videos and episodes. Nearly 4,000 people get my emails, and you should too. Sign up through the link in the show notes. Lastly, who do you know who can use some good advice? Please share this podcast with a friend, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and subscribe to my Snap Softball YouTube channel, where you'll find this podcast and hundreds of softball instructional videos. Back when I was a player, I was always thankful for good coaches and good advice. I'm Dan Blewett, and I'll see you next time.